Hey everybody, Clint Fosloo here and welcome to the 21st edition of the Clint Fosloo podcast entitled A Journey of Healing at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center with Nick Placedhead. Now I met Nick probably about two years ago when he had just sort of found out about infidelity and was going through the starting points of a divorce and was in a world of pain or the pain cave as I refer to it and was really, really struggling as we all do to come to terms with how his life had taken a sudden change. I heard via the grapevine that Nick had gone off to Rhythmia and Costa Rica or to try some alternative ways of healing. And in this podcast, which I found absolutely fascinating, we found out about all about Nick's story and his journey and what took him to the point of really, really seeking for answers and ended up going to Rhythmia in Costa Rica, where it was basically a four-day program where you take uh, ayahuasca, which is a plant-based medicine to just really help you deal and uh, sort of unpack the demons of your past and and help you uh, sort of get on with your life. Nick is amazingly vulnerable in this podcast, and I need to thank him from the bottom of my heart. And it was so amazing for me just to see him, you know, sitting there at peace and sitting there in such a better state that it that it is, you know, no matter what your your feelings are about um, psychedelics or not, but it's a hugely compelling argument for someone who was just searching for answers and looking for a way out and looking for a way away from the pain to to now sort of, you know, three months later be be, you know, have empathy towards his ex. As always, if you if you're looking for help from us, then clintfossily.com forward slash help me. Please follow us on the social channels at clintfossily.com on both on Insta and Facebook. I once again want to thank Nick for his time and enjoy the podcast. It's a super interesting one that I absolutely love recording. So strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. and welcome to the Clint Forsloop podcast, uh, episode 21, lucky 21 for some. And today we are joined by Nick Playstead. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Clint. Great to be here. And are you a blackjack man at all? No, mate, no. (laughs) (laughs) So if you were for all the blackjack people, this is the lucky podcast. So today we're talking about well, the title of the podcast is, uh, let's get this right, a journey of healing at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center. Uh, it's all about Nick's, uh, I guess, his journey and his search for alternative ways to recover from divorce and going to Rhythmia, hopefully I've pr- pronounced that correctly, in Costa Rica, if that's correct. Yep, yep that's right. Spot on. Okay, cool. So as we always do, Nick, is uh, just pull back, right? Early life, where you're from, just just sort of frame the story for everyone so they can get to know you a bit. Sure. Um, yep. Yeah, so I grew up um, just outside Warwick on a farm and... Um, primary school went moved to Brisbane for high school as soon as I had a license I was busy driving down the coast started surfing um I did a trade from 16 to 20 yeah old coast um later became an electrician very happily cruising along um till my mid-20s or 27 28 and were you just just because you've run through 28 years there when did you find surfing when you were a kid or or when when did that sort of no you said school in Brisbane and um, I found surfing pretty much as soon as I could drive yeah and it was actually a major release for me Um, Brisbane was a bit not not that great a place for someone like me and um, yeah surfing was an alternate 
So yeah. after you did your electrician apprenticeship, did you head, were you based on the Gold Coast at that time or where were you based? No, I, I traveled overseas for 12 months. Okay, so just, where did you go? Yeah, I went over to the UK for three months. Um, then I'm laughing because I've done that as well. <laughs> yeah, three months over there. Then we did three months in Europe. Majority of the time was in Bulgaria. Um, and then we came back to the UK and then went to the States for three months. Nice, um, what's in the States? Uh, we landed in New York and got a three-month Greyhound. So we landed in New York, we had three months to get to LA, so lots of good times. On, on Greyhound buses. <laughs> yeah. So, so for anybody who has been in a Greyhound bus, I've got a horror story of a 54-hour bus trip from New York City all the way across to Tahoe in one, one long um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you have to be on a Greyhound bus to experience it, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some long dark hours. In the middle of the <laughs> and, and I was convinced at the time because Jerry, when I was there, I was there playing rugby and Jerry Springer was big, you know, he had just hit the scene and I was convinced that they found the, they did the casting for Jerry Springer at Greyhound bus terminals. That was my kind of end conclusion. <laughs> Brilliant. So after after the doing the US and come back came back to Australia or Yeah, I came back just to do um the apprenticeship. I decided okay. I wanted Christian. I was twenty five at the time. Um yeah, so I came back with the my plan was to do the apprenticeship, then go back to the UK. Okay. And that is is that three years or how long is that? Four years. Four years, okay. So but I came back, I met Nat, my um ex wife, yep. when I was probably my into my second year of my apprenticeship. Um, yeah, she was only supposed to be here for a 12 month work visa and uh, it just continued on and obviously got married and stayed in Australia. And where, was she obviously, was she American? No, she was, she's from Glasgow. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. And um, did you finish up? Did you end up finish up your apprenticeship? I did. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. So married, three kids from what I know. Um, how quickly did that happen? Uh, so married, I think I was 30, 31. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. And um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh, Frank came along pretty much within the first 12 months. Yep. And then every yeah, 18 months later, we had Georgette. And another 18 months, we had Ray. Okay. So th- three, three under five, basically. Yeah, busy. Yeah, full on. Brilliant. And I know from a, from a work perspective, you're doing, you know, the fly and fly out concept at that side in those days, or were you manage, where, where were you based when, when all the kids were young? Yeah. So Frankie was born and I was, we were kind of struggling on one wage. Um, yeah. So get into a fly in fly out job four hours West of Brisbane yeah. and Nat fell pregnant with Georgette while I was away. Um, uh, that's, that's eight years ago. So I've been doing that ever since it got to the point where Nat was pregnant with Ray, my third, and we decided that we'll relocate to live out here together. So yeah. I could be home to help with the kids and I didn't want to miss out, you know? So, so for our American listeners, you know, just describe the fly and fly out because it's obviously big in Australia. It's not a South African thing either. So what's the concept behind it? And obviously the, the you know, the, the financial compensations, you know, a lot more than being local. Yeah. Sure. Um, what a shit roster looks like. So my roster, it's a very good roster, actually. Probably the best um, roster I, I can think of is two weeks on, two weeks off. Yeah. So I'll add on a Wednesday. Two weeks later, I'll fly home on a Wednesday. Um, 
the pay isn't that terrific to start with, but you do build your way up and it's been a great company to work for. And so, 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 I mean, so two weeks out of a month in theory, you're working and then you're home at times yourself, right? That's you, right. Times right. Yeah. yeah. And, and would you, from a percentage perspective, if you had to work full time back home, would you still be making more and you doing those two weeks away? I've worked myself into a decent position now, so I would have a decent pay cut to come home. Yeah. And work full time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I really value that two weeks per month to sort of spend time. Because yeah. yeah. as I mentioned, so a huge thing in Australia, the FIFO, the words the FIFOs are referred to lifestyle, which is, uh, I don't know if it's anywhere else in the world. Maybe I'm naive, maybe in the, you know, the gas fields of Dallas or Texas, it's a thing. I'm not too sure. Mm, I think in the UK, there might be a little bit out in the rigs, yeah. out in the, in the sea there, but um, yeah, I'm not sure. Now that you mentioned a couple of my mates of mine to get travel money, they went, it was like just danger pay basically to go work on the rigs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. So then, um, obviously, while you're on the show today, divorce happened, right? I mean, as I said to you before, it's up to you to tell as much of that story as you want. So, do you just want to sort of run through what happened and 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 just you know the the effect of that on your life? Yeah, sure. So, um, <clears throat> obviously, we moved Nat and the kids, so I moved them out so that I could be home every night. And yep. um, probably in the last six months of our relationship, things got a bit strange. And I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. I just felt um, that she was sort of distant, less definitely less physical, and even uh, you know just withdrawing from intimacy, um, be it a kiss or whatever. Um, she has. She was it almost like she was going through some kind of crisis, and I just wasn't sure what it was about. Um, so. A few things happened. Uh, she would want to go away by herself. Um, that was a bit hard to get my head around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a really hard... I guess the hardest thing was not knowing. She'd used all my... I'd used... We get free psychology at work and she'd used all those um, all those um, credits with work. And I don't know. I, I, I really did... I felt like I'd bent over backwards to try and solve, you know, as a guy, you, you, I'm trying to fix the problem and I don't know what the problem is. So it's, yeah. 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 I was I really, yeah. yeah, totally confused. Um, and then obviously it came to the crunch and I decided that I would give her a bit more space mm-hmm. and I just happened to, do you want me to just give you the whole thing here? <laughs> Uh, as 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 gory as you want, my friend. <laughs> so I took off to the coast, um, and I took the kids with me because I thought, well, she wants a bit more space, so she can have complete space. Um, and I um, I took the computer. When I opened the computer at the coast, I noticed that Nat hadn't logged out of Facebook, and I was desperate. I was desperate to find out. Just I didn't suspect her of doing anything wrong, but I just really needed some insight into how do I fix this? So her Facebook was still open. I went into Messenger. I thought maybe she's had communication with some friends and she's explained something that she can't talk to me about. I don't know. And I kind of surveilled that for three days. Um, It sounds bad, but I I, I don't know. I was trying to save my family and um, a conversation started happening 
in front of my face and it was between that and her friend and she pretty much described that she was falling in love with um, someone by the name of R or that was what she called him and he he had picked her up the night previous and I read that I I really did I started hyperventilating (laughs) I was just in shock Um, yeah just yeah just to pause you there is that for the you know, going through the messages and stuff is for those who, who haven't been in that position. And I have, right. I've been in a similar, a similar rabbit hole of, you know, I don't love you anymore. It's just not the same. It's that disconnect. It's, it's desperation. I mean, I, I was in South Africa and I flew to London for three days to see my best friend. That's how mm-hmm. I was to try to figure out what the hell was going on. You know, in my yeah. instance, it was infidelity as well, but it's, unless you've been in that position and, 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 and get put through the ringer, you, you will only then understand the desperation. So, so I, I know some people would think that's invasion of privacy, but if you've been there and you're desperate to try to solve that problem, it's not in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Off my soapbox now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And um, then after yeah. that, <laughs> I, um, I called Nat immediately after I calmed down, I had to get on the paper bag for a little while and just not hop. Right. Um, I called Nat and just asked her what she was doing and I don't know, she, she just kept telling me, basically just lying and it wasn't until I started reading it out like a script that she started, that, you know, the penny dropped and she realised that I had found out and she still wouldn't tell me who the guy was and ended up calling the friend that she, had speak, she was speaking to and she told me his name. And there was only one person in town with that name um, that did that occupation. And yeah, I called his wife on the way back to Chinchilla, and it, which happens to also be Nat's best friend at the time. Yeah. And how did that conversation go? Um, she, it was met with disbelief at, at, at first. But Mel, being so close to us, um, she knew, well, she knew that Nat and I were having some difficulties. And she was just as confused as me, to be honest. So uh, it was like a bombshell, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I mean, the, you know, it's, it's you, when this happened to me for the first time, I wanted to go on a quest of telling everybody not to have affairs because the ripple effect across families, across children, you know, you, you can't ever explain It's, it's the ultimate tsunami of a ripple effect, right? Um, it affects okay. so many people. Um, you just wish people would never do it. Mm. Yeah, totally brutal. Um, so so I, just really, I don't know why. I, I just really wanted to get home. I don't know. It was like I was trying to save something, but <laughs> honestly, it was it was not a great. Day. My whole was back, you know, in, in, at home. And then, and then I guess the, you know, obviously you you decided to have a divorce, get a divorce, and I think that's when you and I met for the first time. Um, that's you know, obviously the financial stuff happens and it's brutal and it's cold and all of that happened. But what I'm really interested about today is the anger and the healing, right? Because, because as much as you, in the early days, when you do the financial separation, it's a lot of autopilot and it's a lot of, it's fueled by adrenaline, right? But when the dust does settle and, and, and you can talk about your decision to relocate now, which I'd love to talk about, which I think was great for you. When did the healing start and, 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 and what did you try, I guess, in the early days? 
Uh, what didn't I try? <laughs> <laughs> well, run us through it, right? So people can get the idea of how uh, you are, right? Well, I was quite lucky. I had, a, I had a, some, some good friends on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. Uh, I'm a talker. I, I, I have to keep talking. It's just the way I deal with it. As much as that frustrates and annoyed a lot of people, including Nat and, and Mel, um, they didn't want their business being spread around. But yeah, I need to do what I have to do. And um, so I had some very good friends to hang out with. I listened to quite a few audio books. Um, uh, some great audio books, The Power of Now, really helped me. Yep. Uh, Four Agreements was another one that, that really helped. But, um, you know, that, that sticks to mind. That, sorry? Anything else that jumps to mind besides that? I mean, they're both great books, but anything else that at that time sort of helped make sense of it all? Jeez. Um, surfing, I guess. <laughs> yes, sir. But, um, you know, I just, it was very hard to make sense of it. And it was, yeah, meeting with you was, uh, was great to talk to people that were neutral, that weren't my friends or, um, they had, they knew nothing about my, my situation and just to sort of use the soundboard, you know, yep. um, getting other people's perspectives. Yeah. And, and then your decision to sort of, change the tack, right, and, and, and move completely to the Gold Coast. Um, that was probably, what, 18 months ago, two years ago now? Um, yeah, that was, that was 12 months ago. 12 months ago, okay. And, and, yep. and, and, and just want to talk through the, the theory behind that. I mean, I, obviously, you and I spoke about it. What, what is the decision to sort of get a, new, a fresh start, so to speak? Okay, so I didn't want to lose my job because that was our only financial support that was our only income was my work um so i needed to keep that job however two weeks on two weeks off i didn't want to lose any time with my kids so i want them full time for when i'm off work i want my kids yeah but it really left me with no time so i'm either working full time doing 12 hour days or i'm at home making school lunches making dinners and um, I'm not. I'm not the greatest at making <laughs> at all that kind of stuff, especially after all this has happened. I'm not. It's just. It's totally out of my comfort zone. So an opportunity came to move to the Gold Coast to be basically on the same street as my sister and my mum, and I just thought that I needed that support. You know, yeah. just temp. Just even if it's temporary or full time, and it's good for the kids. They're with their cousins, so it really was a family decision. You know, and it was a decision for me, uh, and that that was it. Me and the kids, and I didn't really think about that at that time. I was overthinking about what she needed. Yeah, and and I mean, from what I know about your story, that's probably one of the first times you thought about you first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it was it was good, and it had to happen. It just was a matter of time before I started doing that. That was a bit of a lesson. Yeah. Mm. I just got to plug you in. <laughs> We're losing you there. <laughs> I've just plugged myself into the black coffee, so I'll be awake at till two o'clock. <laughs> we are night podcasting here in Australia, um, and 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 where do the kids? I mean, do the kids roll between yourself? Obviously, is Nat on the Gold Coast as well? She's in Brisbane, or where is she based? So the, for the kids, yeah, Nat's on the Gold Coast as well. She's about half of me. So, so the kids we, go to the same school, and they've got their nice settled as much as they can be. Yeah. Brilliant. So 
so let's talk about all the, you obviously, from what I know, went to some talk therapy, so to speak. Um, do you want to talk about all the things you tried, whether it was breathing, meditation, surfing is key, but I mean, all the things before you started doing the research to head off to Rhythmia, um, you know, just, just, just so people want to get, can get an understanding of all the things you tried and what didn't, didn't help. Yep. Um, so with work, I had a lot of support at work, yep. which was brilliant. Uh, they didn't expect much of me, um, but they would, uh, we'd have psychologists at work. And so if I ever needed to speak at work, I could go and speak to someone. Plus we've got some very, I've got some great workmates um, that I could talk with at any time. So there was lots of talk therapy and that yeah. may not have been with people from work. It may not have been with psychologists. It may have just been with friends also. I have some great mates, um, which is a massive outlet for me. And yeah. I don't know what I would have done without it, to be honest. And did you get into breathing or meditation or anything like that as well as part of some, some of the coping strategies? Not really. As much as I love the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of myself as that kind of a person, but when it yeah. comes to the crunch, I, I just, no, I didn't do it. No. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's that constant flight and, fight and flight mode, right, that you're in. You, you're just so, so hyper-vigilant to everything that you can't, you know, that sitting on a yoga mat for 15 minutes is near impossible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We can work. And then, um, you know, looking into Rhythmia um, and alternative healing. So I'll tell you what my understanding of it is, um, is using psychedelics with talk therapy to help you release, you know, the trauma that we have. Uh-huh. Fair. I mean, we'll get into the whole journey in the research now. Sure. My understanding is, you know, I will put the link to all the YouTube videos and docos. And um, I, I first saw something around this with um, Gwyneth Paltrow, Goop Lab. Uh, she did a doco on Netflix about going to Jamaica and her staff using, you know, mushrooms from psychedelics for talk therapy. And they all said it was life altering. You break through the whole concept from what I know. And then I'll stop talking is 95% of the power and all the baggage, I guess, that we have and the scars sit in our subconscious and 5% of the conscious is what we use. Um, we as humans are so guarded around accessing that subconscious that we never do. Whereas when you're in a, you know, using a psychedelic or LSD or whatever, you know, whatever the drug of choice is, that allows you to actually talk about that event in a non-trauma state and also lets you release it. That's yeah. my understanding. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't Google that. promise you. <laughs> It's not too bad, but you know, it's, um, it is what I experienced over there was uh, definitely a connection between it's like you said, it's the fight and flight mode. And so go through your life and you go through traumas of different gradients and, um, and, and, uh, you just do what you have to do to get by to survive. And if that means, if that means storing some of those traumas, a different part of your brain, um, and that's what you do, but um, they, they, it shapes you as a person. And I found when I when I when I took the medicine in, in Rhythmia, it, it connected my my subconscious yeah. traumas to my conscious mind, and essentially purged all those traumas out. <laughs> Sorry, my dog was eating a highlighter. Um, so, and I don't want to pull back from the Rhythmia story, but if we can just pull back how you did the research into, like, who told you this? Who told you about an alternative option for healing? Okay. 
Yeah. All right. So I've always known about ayahuasca. Yeah. Uh, not I've known for quite a number of years, but I just thought I, I probably can't really be going off into the jungle drinking <laughs> drinking okay. some kind of concoction while I've got a family and I've got yeah. three kids. And, and for the uneducated, what is ayahuasca? Okay, so ayahuasca is uh, is a compound. It's um it's an ayahuasca vine uh, mixed with a certain leaf in um, South America. It's a traditional drink. Uh, they've been using it for thousands of years as medicine. So the active ingredient is DMT. Um, DMT is produced in your body. It's produced in other plants, but it's more plentiful in this vine. Yep. Um, the reason I knew about it is because, um, I don't know, just people talk about it. And uh, I thought it was, you know, a little bit too intense. For, to, I didn't know enough about it, so that's why I was a bit, I thought, no, I can't really do that. It's maybe something that you do when you're young and, you know, it's like an experimental kind of a thing. <laughs> Come out of the jungle in two weeks and go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you even start your, your research? I mean, you obviously knew about that, but where, what did you start Googling, I suppose, you know, to put you onto Rhythmia? Or was that someone referring it or? No, well, I watched a lot of YouTubes on different people's experiences. And then I, I you know, I, was, I follow um, Pete Evans on social media. And yeah. he shared something about a place in Costa Rica um because i'm very much into health and healing modalities yeah um it's a little bit of a passion of mine and he started speaking about a place and he was going to go there for, tw for seven days and trial it and when i looked into he didn't say what kind of medicine he was doing but when i looked into it it was ayahuasca and so i i, I decided i'll go to that site rhythmia site and have a look there when i got to that site um I just watched the intro video and there's Kelly Slater talking about it and yeah. how it's the most profound experience of his life. And I thought, well, the, you know, I have to go. Man, as a surfer that had me at Kelly Slater, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll be there. Yeah, I hear you. But yeah. Um, so then I did a bit more digging, a bit more research. I listened to a lot of testimonials and um, really I just, I just, I knew I had to go as fast as I could. Yeah, so, brilliant. Yeah, and, and, and you obviously because you had your two-week window, did you take two weeks off work and not do that that sort of schedule, or how did you work it? Yeah, I took my shift off work, so yeah. I actually purchased that annual leave, which is an option at work, which is great, and um, that way I didn't miss out on seeing the kids. Um, and 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 how do you get to Costa Rica from from the Golby? Tell me through, tell me about getting yeah. there and, and all the. I mean, must be a hell of a lot of nerves going there. I'll tell you what, I was so excited. I got yeah. to. Um, Gold Coast Airport and I was supposed to fly to LA um, I didn't have a visa so I started filling one at the check-in missed that plane to sit I was supposed to go Gold Coast Sydney then LA yeah I missed the Sydney connection the girls were awesome virgin girls and they, they put me in an uber so I ubered to Brisbane jumped on the plane and I just had a great feeling you know really good really good vibe about this trip so I just kept persisting, got to LA, got stuck in LA. Yeah. I, I spelt my name wrong or someone had spelt my name wrong on my ticket and they weren't going to let me get through to Costa Rica then. And I thought, geez, this is, I mean, you know, it's, this has been a long trip already. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just waited. The girl that wouldn't give me the, the pass, she had to go on a break. So I wandered away and I looked back and there was a new girl there. So I thought I'll go try my luck again yeah. and done. I'm so on the plane to so what is the capital of Costa Rica? I don't know. 
Jeez, uh, sand. And yoga? Oh, that's no, pretty, no. I, I flew to Liberia. Okay. Not the capital, but... Um, and how far is that flight down from LAX? Uh, it's about seven hours. Okay, wow. Yeah. And then when you get there? When I got there, I had organised my own transfer because I wasn't going directly to Rhythmia. Yeah. Um, would surf in Costa Rica, so I thought I'll just chill out for a few days. Did you take some, uh, obviously? Yeah, I took a board, yep. And uh, waves? Yeah, I got great waves. Nice. And uh, I made a very good mate at the surf camp and he, he was the surf tours guy, so he took me to all the best spots and yeah, we got some barrels. It was it was <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a good trip. Let's go home, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> nice. And what's the water temp doing down there? Uh, water temp is perfect. Oh, was Maybe it? 24. 24 oh, sweet. Okay. So barrels and warm water, um, and then you went to Rhythmia, or, or where did it go? So four days of barrels, warm water, yeah. in the backers, and just really chilling out. That's the first time I've been alone for uh, a decade, really, you know, um, apart from work. Yeah. Um, so I just chilled out there. Then I got a, one of the boys at the backpackers to give me a lift to Rhythmia, and I remember driving to Rhythmia, and getting quite emotional. Um, I really started breaking down a little bit because I've just felt like I'm about to take a really massive step for myself and, and some, some healing is going to start happening. Well, can, I, can, I, can I pause you there? If you can think back, yep. what, are the, what are your expectations or what is, what is your desired outcome? I mean, your, your alt, you know, if, you, if you had to jot it down before you got, even got on the plane, what were you hoping to come out of it? I was hoping to come out of it with less hurt and less ego mm. because I put, a, I put a lot of my pain down to ego and I thought this happens to people everywhere throughout the world always, always has. And if I can stop taking it so personal, um, then I can stop feeling so much pain mm. and I can be of value, you know, as a, as a person to some. So myself, like it's yeah. That's probably what eighteen months, two years after finding out the trip to Rhythmia. Yeah, no, I'm saying you know from from when you found out about the infidelity to actually going was that a two two years from a timeline. I'm just trying. What I'm trying to under, is is portray the picture of how long that pain sits with you. Uh, okay, well, that was um, I found out December 2018. I was on the plane to Rhythmia in March, 2020. Okay. So just under eight months. Yeah. And I, I felt that's uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think the point is it's, it's common. Like that's a lot of guys never recover from the pain. Exactly. And I spoke to my dad and, and my dad, the similar thing happened to him. Yeah. Um, and he said it was 10 years, you know, 10 years of going through this. And I just looked at him and I just thought, I can't do, I can't do this for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I need to, you know, I need to move on and heal. Okay. So, so we arrive at Rhythmia. Yeah. What happens? So I arrive at Rhythmia and uh, get checked into my room and really um, I, I did a share room. So I shared with another two guys. Yeah. Um, so I spent the afternoon getting to know them and the first night was um, something they called breathwork or 
yeah, it was breath work. So I went into there and uh, did what they told me. And <laughs> so your breath work, you can actually go into a, into a state where you are releasing DMT. So you're essentially, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I've done a, I've done a Vim Hof workshop. Um, you know, he's like the big breath ice bath guy down on the Goldie actually. And um, similar when they, when he, when he gets you in that breath work where you get to a state where everything's tingling and you, and, and you, what he says, accessing the subconscious. And it was quite interesting is that when you're in that state, and this is my experience, I'd love to know what yours were, is that he says you're reflecting what your inner self is. So the girl I was with at the time was in a good space and she was laughing giddily. Um, I was crying like a baby. <laughs> Like I, was, I just seized up and like, eh, like you know, I was I was ugly crying, right? Um, oh. Did that happen to you at all, or was that just I'm just am I just weird? No, absolutely. I fell apart. I lasted. Oh, okay, sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> my my wrist. I got the old uh, T Rex hands. Yeah. Hands over like that, and I exactly the same. Yeah, I completely broke down. One of the facilitators uh, came over and just pretty much cradled me like a baby. Mm. and just let me get it all out and then calmed me and then I continued with the breath work but it was massively healing that was a massive step yeah that that was for that Wim Hof thing for me it was just you know let alone the ice bars and the stuff afterwards but just breaking down like that um was <laughs> was huge huh mm. so and, and now you've obviously taken no substances this is purely with the breath right exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first first night that was the first night, yeah. That was the introductory. Okay, and then what happened after that? That was Sunday night. And yeah. I knew that Monday night was our first um, night on, we'd meet at the Maloka and that would be our first ceremony. Yeah. So Sunday night we did the breath work. Ma- m- amazing room, full of love. And you could, do, you could cry, you could laugh, and a lot of people were yawning, or however they were going through it. Um, and then we went and had dinner together. And then I went back to my room, had a good night's sleep. So the next day we started off with yoga in the morning. Then we moved on to what they do at Rhythmia is they run integration classes. So they prepare you through the day. So we do like, uh, we meet with some teachers there or some shaman and they talk about the plant medicine and they talk about what ayahuasca does physically to your mind. Some common experiences, what to expect. They really prepare you, you know. And And how many of those sessions would you have in that day? On your first day, I mean, I guess because you, you're a noob, right? Fresh from yeah. class. Yeah. So everyone is in the same boat. Probably 90, 90% of the people that were there were, were fresh and everyone is a little bit nervous, yeah. you know. And, and everyone has got some trauma. They're there for a reason, you know. It's not like, um, I wouldn't say it's a party crowd, you know. Yeah. People are there to do, to do work. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, so you do say one or two sessions during the day and then your first ceremony at night or how, what does that look like? Yeah. So the first ceremony, they kick off at about five thirty. So mm-hmm. we don't eat, we'd eat lunch and then we wouldn't eat from then on. It would just be a little bit of water. And then we'd all meet at the Maloka at five thirty. Uh, we would sign in and then go and find the little spot. So they'd have a bed and a pillow and a, a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> go and make yourself comfortable and just a beautiful atmosphere, absolutely amazing. And um, then that was how many people yeah. in there on my trip? It was seventy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Big number. 
Um, so you get self-comfortable, then they would, they would bring in the sage and they would bless the room and um, play some music and then they would do a blessing on the medicine and then they call first drinks and that's when you're like, okay, <laughs> here we go. go. <laughs> yep. yeah. Classic. And then, and then, I mean, do you drink based on weight and, or, or how, how do they manage dose size? Um, no, they just, everyone gets the same because okay. everyone has, everyone has a different reaction. So I don't think weight really has much to do with it. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then what? Like, oh shit. It's in, it's in. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have your drink and then you go back to your bed and you just relax and you go into like a, a meditative state, I suppose, very relaxed, just enjoying the music and waiting. And uh, <laughs> no, I didn't really, I didn't really feel anything. And then they call second drinks. Yeah. And those who want a second drink go up and they are very encouraging that you take a second drink. Um, so I went, lined up, had my second drink. And then maybe 15 minutes after I went back to my bed and lay down. Yeah. Um, that's when it started to, yeah, things started happening. <laughs> And, and talk to me about that. Um, so I guess I, it was quite visual for me. This is the first night. We, do, we did four nights in a row. So the first night, and every night's different, but the first night was very visual, lots of patterns. Um, and then I, I started to go through a process of, so you really go in with intention with this medicine and they have set intentions. Um, the intentions are, show me who I've become and what they mean by that is show me what have I done in my life to deal with trauma and how has that shaped me and, and how, you know, it's fight or flight, like we said, it's just a survival thing. So you're shaped by your experiences basically. So show me who I've become, merge me back with my soul or who I was as a child and heal my heart. So um, a lot of this didn't really make sense to me on the night, but when I look back in hindsight, it, it falls into place. Yeah. So my experience, yeah, my experience on the first night was I started with my direct family and I spent time with every person vividly. And then I went to my friends and then I went to my next lot of friends and then I went to my work colleagues and so on and so on. And it took me back 25, 30 years. Wow. To people, yeah, people I haven't seen for 20 years. All on the first night? All on the first night, yeah. And, and what were you, when you say you went back to them, like just take a work colleague, was it just the connection or like an altercation or, or what, are you, what are you discovering at that time? No, it was, like, it was like I was just spending time. There was nothing really needed to be said, yeah. but it was just a, a reflection of um, my relationship with them and me thinking about what happened or... Yeah, it was, there was a few relationships that I walked away from that maybe could have been better. So it was reflecting on all those things, good and bad. And, and what, what, what was my personal response to those situations? You know, to, yeah. And does that, does that make sense? Uh, vaguely, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm assuming there's a pattern of two, three, and four nights, right? So night one was go back and understand who, who has molded you, right? As I always say with kids, yeah. we're a product of our environment, hence all these events yes. that happen to us shape and mold us to who we are. Um, uh-huh. Like a lot of my biggest breakthroughs have got to do with mommy and daddy issues. Uh, uh-huh. You know, who've made me choose partners and be the way I am. 
Is, is that, that kind of the idea of that first night? Yeah, it is. It is. It's to look, look at relationships from as far back as, um, as what you need to look at, depending on what did what to you and, um, and really look at how you responded to certain situations, whether you were hurt at the time and then your behaviour changed ever so slightly to defend yourself or to, to, to avoid that from happening again. Yeah. Yeah. That I can understand. Yeah. Because, you know, with the scars, you, you tweak and, you know, lock up certain parts, you know, of, of you because you don't yeah. want to happen again, mm-hmm. um, which will in turn limit yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and how long were you sort of, you know, in a, a psychedelic state, so to speak? I mean, oh. How long does it last for? So the sessions would go from 5.30 um, and that, yeah, they would kind of bring the lights back on at 1. Oh, Wow. Yeah, and then and then you'd slowly you slowly make your way back to your room. So everyone would slowly leave between one and two. And how? I mean, I I, I think I know the answer before asking the question. But how long? That, that must have felt like five minutes. I, I'm assuming. Or did yeah, it feel yeah, like a long I, five or six it, hours. It definitely felt shorter than what it was, but yeah. um, but also I had enough time to do what I had to do. I felt. Mm. I didn't suffer any nausea, which is some people did. Some people start to purge. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't have that. So I was just, I uh, just enjoyed the experience really. And, and for you personally, you know, when walking back to your room after night one, I mean, how did you feel? Were you exhausted? Any huge breakthroughs? How did you sleep? You know, all that, just looking back on reflection, what state were you in? No, I just felt like I had a really big night. But <laughs> 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 I didn't really, I recognized what had happened mm-hmm. because I still was trying to make sense. And this is why they talk, they do the plant integration lessons through the day to help you try and put the pieces together because it's confusing time. And I'm not sure why it took me back in time to look at all these relationships that didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. Until weeks later. Oh, wow. Okay. And then what happens on day two? So not two. Uh, day two, we go do more plant integration courses. Oh, do you still, okay, yeah. Yep, so we, we might talk to, we spoke to the chief medical officer. That's the, so that's the one unique thing about Rhythmere. It's medically licensed. It's the only medical um, resort to practice that medicine in the world. Um, Can you claim it on Medicare? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Australian <laughs> joke. <laughs> Good, yeah. Um, so day two, you well we we wake up we do yoga which is a great way to start the day somehow you're not too tired even though you've been up most of the night um more integration and then we go have lunch after lunch is just chill out time and then you're getting ready for to line back up at the maloka for another session so on day two knowing obviously you'd experienced it now were you less or more nervous because you know what was going to happen. No, I was excited. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah, I was excited, anticipating what I might learn on the second night. And, you know, I was very, very, I was very driven to, to get a result out of this. So, I, I, you know, I just needed to do what I had to do. And I put a fair bit of pressure on myself. I mean, leading up to coming to Rhythmia, I was, oh, in a few more months, I'm just going to, everything will be better, you know, and it's probably not a great idea to do that, but 
I couldn't help it. I, I had nothing. I didn't have much to cling to, Clint. <laughs> Expectations, mate. Come on. <laughs> they kill all of us. Um, yeah. And and your intentions for night two, those set differently by the... So two, two questions yeah. is that we can get to the intentions, but does everyone do a four-night program or is that common or do people come for one night or, or how no. does it actually work? That's a really, really long... Um, a really long story on how that program became the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's four nights. It's four nights and it's been designed like that very deliberately. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so my, the intentions stay the same. So what they say is you can walk into Rhythmia and, and walk in with 100 questions and everyone's got a lot of questions. Or you can walk into the Maloka, stick with the intentions and then walk away with no questions, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I stuck with the intentions because uh, I took their advice because I really wanted results, you know. It was a big effort to get there. and The, the monkey brain would be going like <laughs> crazy. Give me answers. So, so night two, same process, um, first drinking, uh, what, did you, what did you call it again? The ayahuasca? No, the first um, drinking? No, you got, there was a word. Uh, ceremony. So we no, 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 no. The first when you drink the potion, the first. Oh, just first drinks. They just first drinks. Sorry, first drink, second drinks. A little something fancy. Yeah. So yeah, first, like, first. Yeah, drink. My bed's nice and close to the to the serving area, so I'm first in line. <laughs> same bed as the night before. Yeah, same bed. That was yeah, like yeah. my. You no, know, I made claim to that. <laughs> and then talk to me so, about night two. Yep. Yeah, so second drink. Um, I asked for a little bit more this time. I had one and a half because mm. I didn't want to wait the hour. And I, I went back to my bed and within 30 minutes, it was pretty much full effect. Mm. Um, not too much happened at the start. I listened to some music and the, the, the music's very deliberate as well. It's a, a lot of it's not in English, but it's all about your journey and yeah. healing. Um, so I just enjoyed that for a little while. Then they called second drinks. I went up, had another drink. I went back to my bed and that's when things started to get a little bit more full on and um, not in a, not in nothing is in a bad way. You know, it's all no. really good. And, but what I did see was second night two was really about that. Yeah. And um, I was laying on my bed with my eyes closed, um, palms up because I'm open. I'm open to the experience. I invite the mother ayahuasca to take me and heal me. Yeah. I could see that as clear as day as just a vivid image of Nat and she was in her wedding outfit and it's, it was bizarre. It was, it was, it was great. And I had a feeling that came over me of just love for her and, wow. and empathy. And that's the first time I've been able to feel that um, obviously and, since it happened. And where do you, th just diving into that feeling of empathy. What, what is, what is, what, what were you empath, empathy, uh, empathic yeah. about? I guess a, a feeling come over me that we are all together as uh, we all make up the same mass consciousness yep. and she just, she's a part of me and I'm a part of her and I'm a part of you. And, and, um, I, I just had a feeling and a few things they say to you through the day, some, things sort of dropped into place and 
basically I felt that she had done her best with her level that she was at of her consciousness. And, Mm. and that was enough for me to come to a place of almost of forgiveness, I guess. I mean, it took another night or two for sure, but I was starting to think about it, you know, and, and, and this, I guess, inquisitive and interesting question as much as, we told not to think about our ex because we keep going back to the ghost of Christmas past. Um, was this a diff, you know, because then you go down the rabbit hole of what happened and why, and you know, she did this and all this blame stuff. Was this a, a different feeling? I'm assuming uh, it was. Totally different. Mm. Totally. Different. It was like I was outside myself almost. And I was looking at her from a different person's eyes and it was no bad feeling. And it was, it was separation. Uh, and it was acceptance and it was being able to say, yes, I do love her and I still have love for her, mm-hmm. but not as my partner, you know? Yeah. That was massive. Really, really massive. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Uh, and yeah. this, is on, this is on night two. Night two. Yeah. Now, same story. 1am, 2am wrap up. Um, Here's another weird question, I guess, is as humans, we're addicted to hate, right? And the bad thoughts. Um, Did your walking back or the next morning when you woke up, did your brain kick into like, oh, shit, I can't let this shit go? Or or, or was it a state of you're just so at such peace that you don't want to have that anger inside you anymore? It was... was, um no, I still had the same feeling when I woke up. I had the love and acceptance, even almost, you know, making contact with people in the outside world. But I just thought, no, I, I better not. Because <laughs> yeah. it's recommended you don't. Am I going to love you, man? What? I haven't heard yeah. from you since, like, you know, since you were six. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, those feelings didn't creep back. Because um, I was so excited and liberated. Yeah. That the whole, the hate, you know, and... <laughs> you know, and I was going okay in the outside world. I was 90, I would say 85, 90% good. Mm. But there would be those moments of weakness where um, I'd have a flashback and I'd get so angry, you know, and I just thought, gee, this is hurting. You know, this is hurting me and I, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. So that was the release, the relief that I sort of felt after seeing her on the, on the ayahuasca. Yeah. And. Yeah. And just want to hammer back on the subconscious when you when you did have the, you know, the education sessions. Did the did they mention that that's what it's going to do, or what was the guidance in terms of the the how you can heal yourself based on on you know accessing that part of your brain? Sure. Um, yeah, they basically did say that, and they said that you can you can get it through meditation, you can get it through breath work, you can um, get it through surfing, uh, but you want to get it quickly. You want to hop on the away you drink the medicine you know and you <laughs> it's gonna start happening solve the yeah. problem now yeah well i mean i'm i'm a big fan of throwing money at problems right if you can if we have the means <laughs> make make stuff go away um day three uh let me guess you woke up you did yoga had some education yeah. had lunch yeah. yeah where were you between like waking up on day three as you said you woke up in the morning you didn't have that you know, you still have that love, that anger was starting to dissipate. Forgiveness is not there yet. Um, at, at that stage, 
assuming you had walked away at day two, would you have been happy with the progress? Or was there yeah. still more stuff in your own checklist that you wanted to take care of? Uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you if there was more or not because I was in a fairly confused state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I knew that I definitely wanted to continue because I was, I was getting results. Uh, I didn't really know the form of the results yet and whether they would last. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would have been happy. Um, I, would, I would have had some long-term results had I walked away, but I was definitely staying for the next two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just trying to, because, you know, we set expectations here and you're like, oh, should I have already achieved those? And we're only halfway through this journey. Yeah, no. I, I, well, I still had some more issues, but they weren't known to me. <laughs> damn them <laughs> so, so what, what, what is the highlight reel of so we're back in our same bed you're close to the honeypot um, night three talk me through it okay um, night three night three was really going back and thinking that I might get a little bit of night one or night two again mm -hmm. that definitely didn't happen night three I didn't have much visualization. I had really, I really enjoyed the music that night. It was feminine night and um, it was brilliant. But I did spend, um, I started to feel a bit nauseous. Yeah. And they say that purging is normal and to expect it. I felt that I didn't really know what it was about. Um, so I did, after a few hours of feeling sick, I did speak to the shaman. And um, they asked me what do I, they asked me what do I think it is from? Yeah. Without really thinking too much about it, I said I think it's guilt and shame. And um, that kind of, as I said it, you know, when you, you say something out loud, it makes total sense. And I, I lay back down and I thought about it, and then I I had a visual a visualization of like a, a tiger. Mm. Um, it's just in the distance, nothing scary, but it's just walking back and forth and it just wouldn't leave me alone. Um, so I went back and spoke to Carmen again and then he said maybe it's time to practice some self-love because this guilt and shame is mine. Um, so I went back with a mantra of, um, you know, I, I, I forgive you, I love you, um, etc. yourself. I talking to myself, mm. self-love, and uh, I, spent a fair, I spent about 20 minutes doing that and the tiger just sort of went away. <laughs> um, so I think that was like a, what would you call it, when you're thinking about something and it, and it appears. Um, I can't think of the word right now, but... Yeah. Presentation of my feelings. So, so if you don't mind, the guilt and shame, like how did that relate to you at that time, if you can remember? So I had some guilt about my, some of my responses after learning um, what had happened. And yeah, as you'd understand, it's a highly emotive um, position to be in and say and do things that, are probably not great and they don't make a lot of sense at the time and you you're really operating from a a place of desperation and fear and and hurt huh i mean massively yeah so you're doing things that you probably 
and saying things that you, that you never thought that you would say or do. So I had some guilt over that. Yeah. Things that happened in front of the kids and I felt guilty for it. And yeah, a little bit of shit. Yeah. And I was really, yeah. I was really leaving myself and letting myself off the hook. I was holding myself responsible and, you know. Hmm. Okay. So once, once you had repeated that mantra, um, anything else? I mean, because that's huge, right? Self-love is a, this, it's something I struggle with every day, but it's, it's the answer, right? I mean. Massively. It was definitely the other half of the problem. Mm. The first was I couldn't, I couldn't get over and I couldn't forgive the guy and I couldn't forgive Nat. Mm. And, uh, that's holding me back. The other, the other problem was me. I couldn't forgive myself. Yeah. Or love myself enough to do that, and and you know it's it's hard to even work that out to start with. That you yeah. have to, yes, but that was a gift to sort of learn that. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to me, that that is like all my stuff and all the choices I've made and bad partners I've chosen was lack of self, and the behaviour I've tolerated from those partners is lack of self love, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just because you believe you aren't with whatever it is and you accept and tolerate those things which no one should but you do mm-hmm. so so that's amazing um night so that's night three anything else besides mike tyson's tiger that we need to worry about <laughs> yeah um well not really i mean I'll, I'll go back to night two very quickly yeah um so they do another thing they do tobacco um as well which is uh, they call it rape or hape and uh, it's a tobacco that's applied up the nose. It's like an ash, and they blow it up the nose. So after the first night, I did the rapé. I asked for grounding. Yeah. I don't know why I said that, because it definitely grounded me, and that's not what I wanted. <laughs> the second night, I learned my lesson. So second night, a lot of things happened. When I went to get the rapé, I said, I want to go deep with the ayahuasca tonight. Yeah. Help me go. And that's when big stuff started happening. That's when I saw Nat and yeah. so after I spent time with, with Nat, just looking at it, not talking, just having this feeling coming over me, uh, I lay down onto my mattress and I had the strangest thing happen to me. I looked up and I had a lot of energy on my left, a lot of energy on my right around my stomach area Yeah, and like a shadow kind of like working on my, on my, my belly, yeah. like surgery you know, but I was so um, under the influence. <laughs> All I could do was just peacefully watch. So that went on for probably 10 minutes. That's crazy, man. And and you as someone personally carry stress in your stomach? Because I know people carry it in different places. Yeah, that's a good question. But um, I, I do, I have carried a lot of stress, but I think that I'm not sure. I don't know what was going on, but yeah. I did artist uh, when I was 28 and I had that for two years so I don't know whether they're working on my pancreas I hope so but um maybe it was just stress I don't know it's great and and when you have those experiences do you have the opportunity the next day or that evening to sort of speak to the staff there and say like what the fuck just happened here um, when do you have that opportunity yeah so you do have that opportunity every day so not only will the, the facilitators and um, the shaman they'll they'll come around and speak to you if you need to speak but you also have an opportunity through the integration classes and they'll invite people to speak about different experiences but um 
I was not so forthcoming, you know, in talking about it because I just, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what happened. Yeah. And, yeah. and out of the 70 people going through this every night, how many facilitators and obviously one shaman and or what does that look like from support staff? There's maybe six or seven shaman. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There'll be a head shaman and he'll be in charge of that particular medicine that night because every night's a different, slightly different medicine. Uh, but then there'll be another six or seven shaman who will serve rapé and they'll just help you through the night if, um, if you need help. You know, they're there. Yeah. It really is an internal journey. You don't really need unless you need. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And... Um... The the self love one. I need to ask you. Day four, waking up. Did you look at yourself in a different way, or had it not sunk in quite yet? No, I, I was feeling amazing on day four. Amazing. Yeah. It felt a lot of weight off my shoulders, and I really felt like the recovery starting, the healing. Because um, mm. you, you know, you won't allow yourself to heal if you have got that that belief that you don't deserve it. And I just, I felt very deserving, you know, I felt lots of love and for everyone that was there, yeah. um, but including myself, definitely. Amazing. So the same routine on day four, uh, last night of tour, uh, talk us through that. Yeah. So day four is uh, Colombian uh, ayahuasca and the guys come down and they've got their own mix. It's definitely more of a perfect mix. Um, not much psychoactive uh, happening for me that night. Yeah. Definitely a physical purge. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was visiting the toilet quite a lot. and <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this is too much, but both ends or just vomiting? Yeah, both ends, but not both at the same time. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, then you're winning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely under control, but, um, yeah, a much more physical effect. Yeah. Okay. And any, any, I mean, I'm assuming you, you want to wrap things up, but anything that you try to focus on or intentions that you, you took into that final night to kind of put a bow on it for yourself. Um, yeah, that's, it's difficult. I, because of everything that had happened and I was still putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So mm. I did stay with the same intentions, although I did add one intention. I wanted to know my purpose who, and, and who, who am I supposed to be and what is my purpose? Yeah. How, do, how do I serve? Um, and that's still my current intention. <laughs> and and did, you, did you come up with any epiphany that night of, in terms of how you can serve? No, no, I didn't. I didn't really come up with anything that night. Yeah. Um, but the medicines continues to work in you for at least a month. I mean, I continues to work in with you for forever. Yeah. But, but the actual, you know, the actual medicine is still in your body for quite a while. Now you mentioned uh, on night two with Nat that you 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 had empathy, but you didn't have forgiveness. But that came later. Um, which night was that, and 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 in what form did that happen? Because forgiveness is huge right hmm so I guess that happened it really happened on night two and it was cemented in night three okay that that everything is okay and I I can forgive her and I can I can empathize with her even though that seems totally ridiculous because I, I 
even it seemed ridiculous that I felt that way at the time, but I did. I just felt that way, and it was such a massive relief mm. to 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 feel that because I can't fake my feelings. I wear my heart on, on my sleeve. Um, I'm just thinking, yeah, mate. I wish I had a time capsule. I could take this recording and send it back to you when we first met. You'd go, no ways, never. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I could always, I could even empathise with, with, with R, you know. Yeah. That's um, crazy, man. He had wronged me in such a way that you, you can't imagine yeah. unless you've been through it. And to be able to almost, to get into his shoes and, 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 and try and work out, without sort of trying to, to work out what he, is in his mind, because I've got no idea, but I can definitely see that he has uh, his own problems, you know, and for what he thought would be an answer, wasn't. it's probably not the answer and, and a lot of people get hurt, but, you know, that's his, that's his journey, that's his trip. <laughs> that's not your path, exactly right. Yeah. So waking up after day four on day five, um, integration back, I mean, it must be sort of, but a sweet leaving, right? You're obviously on top of the we're in the top of the world. You're in this an amazingly controlled environment with people who are there to heal, self love. You know, so you're in this Zen state. Um, what is it like leaving? Were you nervous? Were you anxious? Yeah. Well, I knew I was going surfing for another few days, so I was pretty happy with that. Jesus. <laughs> it's like the best trip ever. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I was nervous. I was nervous that I would lose what I gained and I forget about the insights um, but I just relaxed with the comforting knowledge that changes had been made uh, physical changes new pathways had been created in my brain yeah and uh, and I can't change that I can't reverse that so and uh, I, I kind of was expecting there would be some you know it's not it's not a cure it's not a, a I mean it's a magical thing it's amazing but I'm still going to have my highs and lows, and I have, you know. Um, that's just life. That doesn't change. But what does change is your reaction to the lows. And, uh, you know, I have this underlying feeling of just gratitude. And I, I've always been someone who's almost try, I've tried to practice gratitude on a regular basis. Mm. That's where I want to operate from. But that's, an, that's a big effort for me. But now I, I have that feeling uh, and it's not, it's not deliberate. It's not forced. I just have an underlying feeling of optimism. I don't, I don't know. I don't fully understand where that comes from, but yeah. I'm very, very happy with it, you know. Well, I mean, if you talk about vibe, you know, high vibe and low vibe, gratitude and, you know, accept like love and that's just high vibe energy that's going to bring that back to you. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a great state to live in. Yeah. Hugely amazing. And, and, so um, I don't want to talk about the barrels you got in warm water because that's <laughs> who lives on the beach as well. So anyway, we don't get barrels out front here. Um, just, huh? just board shorts. Just board shorts. Well, we kite a lot, man. We kite and float <laughs> a lot. We have to. Um, getting back on the plane, I guess, you know, you know getting into LAX and, the, you know, I'm not a fan of LAX, but just uh -huh. getting back into the, the buzz of the real world. Um, what is that like? And, and sorry, just a, probably a question before that is what arrhythmia do you to like, I guess equip you or, or sort of enable you for that transition back to the, back to the, back to the treadmill. 
Wow. It gave me uh, confidence. Mm-hmm. It gave me reassurance. It gave me a perspective that I'm here for a brief moment and this is my human experience. It, you know, there is so much more than, than this physical body. I mean, that, you know, I just feel like I'm here. I'm here to love and to enjoy myself and to raise my kids, you know, surf. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what's bad? I came back and the COVID-19 was going on. I, I, I had to go into quarantine. So LAX was empty, which was lovely. <laughs> That's rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just, um, just an overall feeling of well-being, really, and, and hope. Yeah. That's amazing. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. So how long has it been since you've been back? Three months? Yeah, three okay. months. Okay. And has, have your kids noticed a difference in you? I'd say yes. I'd say that I have a lot more patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got more ability to express my love to them. I can meet uh, the kids. I can meet Nat at the beach and do our kids swap. And I can, you know, I met with her, we, we sat there for half an hour talking mm-hmm. just about stuff. You know, yeah. we can, uh, a friendship. Um, I can feel that I love her without feeling in love with her. As a, you know, um, it's, 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 it's unreal. And now she can, she can feel that my, my vibration has changed. Yeah. And she can in turn lower her defences and we're not, we're not in this weird place where we can't have a relationship. And the kids can pick up on that. And it's just, a, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Um, yeah. So I guess from a rhythmia perspective, I, uh, it, it's quite pricey from what I pick up. Um, fair to say that? Um, uh, y- yes. And I would say it's may- maybe if you think it's pricey, it's extremely good value. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so I think um, you may spend the same on, on, on another holiday somewhere else, but the benefit from going there and, you know, it's a, life, it's a life-changing, it was a life-changing event for me. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, if the way I, I would look at it and validate the cost is what does it cost to lose a decade, right? Or 20, 30 years that guys do do. Um, sure. You know, put the opportunity cost on that, and all the cool, the cool shit and cool experiences that you can get up to. Um, so, should we wrap things up, Nick? Um, I just thanks so much for your time, man. I'm I'm so I'm so fascinated about this stuff. I've been watching uh, LSD, acid, and mushroom documentaries whenever I can <laughs> find them because I'm a you know I love information, but I'm intri- I mean intrigued by just the just ways to help people, right? I mean, you hear of, you know, people at PTSD and suicidal who, you know, do these journeys and then stop. I mean, that's just amazing, you know, and it's not, it's not conventional in a way, but it's, to me, I think there's, there's, there's a channel there and we have to look at it. Um, Yeah. Um, So, so thanks again. And, and just two questions. First one, did you find out what Kelly Slater's life altering event was? No. He wasn't that specific. <laughs> I saw the photo <laughs> of the video. Maybe, maybe that's the first question I would have asked. Like, what did the king learn? Because I need to learn the same. <laughs> um, maybe vague ability, surfing ability. And just as a closing thought and comment, I mean, from, I, I mean, it, for me, it's amazing to see you in this space. I mean, we spoke when you were in your darkest days right in the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, 
for anyone going who's in the depth of hell, right? And you and I have been there and we know what it's like. What would you tell pre-Rhythmia Nick um, when he's in the chaos? What, what would you tell him? And what, what sort of pearls of wisdom would you leave him with now? I would say that, um, I would say that your best days are ahead of you. And it's time to take a break on yourself. And, um, you know, everyone has their own path. And uh, their path is not the same as yours. And that's, don't take it personal, you know, really. Yeah. Awesome. Nick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for sharing so openly. Um, yeah, me and my questions, you all go back, right? I'll definitely go back. Uh, well, I don't ever go back to the same place. I may, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll definitely continue my journey. It's just um, there's there's just so much opportunity. And yeah, then, I, <laughs> I will leave you and not ask you another question. But thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Glenn.